Bucks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Thank you, uh, Phil Hewitt, for that intro. Uh, we've uh, updated the podcast, as you can see, and uh, we're really excited to get things going. Uh, we did really well last week, and we thank you for all the support. Um, we've had an exciting week uh, with these games, Eddie. Um, you know, the Ducks have taken two out of the first three. Uh, it's been an interesting week. Um, you know, let's go to uh, game one. Uh, uh, you know, the Ducks didn't start so well in this game, but uh, what did you think on this one? You know, we ended up winning this one uh, four to one. Yeah, and it looks like we've kind of swapped the second period woes of the season, and and you know swapped them to the first period, and and, and at least in this series, uh, you know the first two games, uh, in game one and game two uh, in Anaheim, the the first periods have been really slow, and then obviously in that first game getting out shot sixteen to seven, uh, if it wasn't for Freddie, you know we could have been down two three nothing after that first period. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was part of the problem. Part of the problem, too, with the Ducks has been, uh, you know, taking penalties as well. You know, they, they had that penalty in the first period. Uh, they were able to obviously kill it off. Uh, but that's it's been kind of ironic that that's been the issue. We always were worried about the second period. But uh, the Ducks came out, you know, and uh, had that one nothing lead after the first period. They go into the second period. Uh, the second period ends up being a better period uh, for the Ducks again. Um, getting another goal uh, and taking a two nothing lead uh, early on, uh, you know, it was unfortunate that uh, Richards got that goal late on the uh, Boschman turnover, um, took away a little bit of the momentum. But you know, the Ducks came back in the third, and uh, Nate Thompson got a goal, and uh, Silverberg with the empty netter put put the icing on the cake there, Eddie, and the you know the Ducks took this first game uh, four to one. Yeah, but when you you really look at it, and you you know you look through the game and you, you watch all the goals and you just watch you know kind of how the game played out, you it really wasn't a four to one game. You know the the Blackhawks came out real fast, and you know we seemed to struggle with their speed, and and we weren't able to establish our game, and you know obviously we got got off to that quick. Uh, uh, one goal lead off of Lindholm's goal, which was nice, you know, kind of against the the, the run of play. And um, finally, Kyle Palmieri gets on the board. And, you know, that new third line with him, Cogliano, and, and Thompson, you know, kind of stole the show in this game. You know, uh, Thompson getting a goal and assist, and uh, Cogliano grabbing an assist, and, and Palmieri grabbing a goal. And, you know, it just uh, it didn't seem like a 4-1 game. You, you, you expected it to be a little bit closer, but, you know, of course, we were happy they got the win. Yeah, I mean, you look at the first two periods. I mean, it was two to one duck, so it was a close game. Um, you know, I think one of the moves that that a lot of people liked, and we talked about this too, Eddie, was uh, you know Yuri Sekatch drawed back in on this game, ended up playing with uh, Raquel and Edom. You know, the uh, the fourth line there, and uh, you know they had a good game. I think the extra speed helped the Ducks out in this contest. Yeah, and you know they they're not afraid to be physical either. They're not you know really big guys, but. You know they didn't get on the score sheet, but but that energy and speed they bring, and you know it just seemed to to slow down the play. You know for the Ducks at least, just to slow down the the, the Blackhawks' speed and, and you know counter it with some of our own, and you know that opened up space for uh, you know the Thompson line, and and it seemed to you know get them going. They had a little bit more space to work, and you know uh, were the the big line in this game, and you know props to Kessler's line as well. You know we but we've seen a. Uh, offense from them for most of uh, the playoffs so far and you know Kessel did a great job shutting down Taves that line and you know Kane was pretty much non-existent as well yeah I mean you can't uh, discuss enough the way Kessler's played uh, you know in these playoffs I mean we'll talk about the other games as well game two and three but even against Calgary against the Jets and, and now against Chicago you know Kessler has been one of the best as far as playing defense uh, you know, in addition to winning the faceoffs as well, and I think uh, having him in there and, and the ability to match up, you know, the Silverberg, Bolesky, uh, Kessler line against, you know, the Taves line has been key, uh, you know, in this game and obviously in the series um, because you know they can provide offense, but they can provide defense too, Eddie. Yeah, and you know, if you had to give the start to anybody in this game, you got to give it to Freddie because, you know, barring that giveaway by Boschman, this is a shutout for him and. You know, a 32 save performance. It's, uh, you know, he's been one of our best players all all playoffs, and you know, just continued it into this series against the Blackhawks. 
Yeah, I mean, of course, Freddie, you can't say enough about him as well with him standing on his head in this game. And as we'll talk about in the other games as well, you know, I mean, 32 saves, you know, almost had a shutout, as you mentioned, um, that unfortunate turnover that they got the one goal on. But uh, he's really been in the zone. And uh, I, I like his positioning. I like his uh, lateral movement, um, the way he's been making the glove hand saves. He hasn't really given up a lot of uh, rebound attempts, um, you know, uh, not in this game or in the other games. And uh, it's it's been huge. Uh, the ability to stop the puck and uh, for the Ducks to get it and get it out of the zone quickly is really limited the uh, second opportunities for the uh, Blackhawks. Yeah, and, you know, one guy we talked about uh, that the, the Ducks would have to take advantage of was, uh, was Runblad on the Chicago defense, you know. We saw, we knew they were going to use mostly their, you know, their four big horses, especially with Rose Ball out. And, you know, Runblad was one guy that we talked about that they, they would need to jump on. And, you know, you saw Bolesky doing a great job in front of the net on, on Lindholm's goal. And, you know, again, on the uh, the Palmieri goal, you know, Runblad was victimized and he was on the ice again, you know, for the, uh, for the, the, uh, the Thompson goal. He was pretty much victimized all night and, you know, a great job, uh, by the, the the Ducks defense um, and uh, you know and the big checking forwards to to pick out a weakness in their defense. Yeah, and that that strategy that Quinville is using, you know, he's going with the other four, and they're playing, you know, eighty percent of the time on the ice, Eddie. I mean, it, it, you know, you're kind of playing with fire when you're trying to rely on four guys like that to to win you a game, and you know, play twenty plus minutes, uh, you know, in a sixty minute game. Um, it's a dangerous strategy, and, and you know um, we'll get to it later. But it looks like they may try to address that uh, in Game Four. Yeah, and you know when you look, when you look at how far you know the the game went in, in Game Two to triple overtime, and you know some of the minutes that these guys played, you know not not just on the Ducks, but you you look at the minutes that the the Blackhawks D ended up playing. Uh, uh, I believe Keith played just you know nine seconds shy of fifty minutes. Yamas uh, and Seabrook played forty seven each. Uh, Oduya had 46, um, and then you look at the other guys. You know, Kamiski jumped in for Runblad in this game, and he only played 18 minutes. Which then, and you know, in, in a normal you know one one game, that that's you know for a bottom pairing guy, that's respectable. But you know, for a triple overtime game, and he's only played 18 minutes, that's putting a lot of pressure on your other guys. And you know, Timonen's the other guy that that's paired up on that line, and he only played 16 minutes. So. You know, they've ate up a lot of minutes so far in those first two games. Yeah, and, you know, I, I was at game uh, – no, obviously I was at both games, but game two was, uh, you know, a marathon. Uh, we got there at uh, Honda Center at uh, 5.30 right before the game uh, start time, uh, you know, Pacific time, and ended up not leaving till about 11.30. Um, you know, this, this was – it was kind of interesting because in the beginning of this game, they were showing when the Ducks made their run – Back in 03, and, and you know the uh, overtime game that they had against Dallas that went uh, five overtimes, um, and it just was kind of ironic. They were showing all these highlights from the 03, you know, year, and then here we go in this game, and who knew that it was going to be, you know, a two for one special, Eddie? Oh yeah, I know. And and this game almost seemed like it could never end. We we knew it was going to be, uh, you know, a garbage goal to say that would would finish the game, but you know, Freddie and 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 especially Crawford in this game. They were just unbelievable. Some of the saves they were making, you know, Crawford, um, in a you know, great glove save in, on Perry in the slot, and you know, just Freddie playing you know, amazing. This game could have gone, you know, four or five overtimes if it wasn't for that you know, sloppy play in front of the net that led to the Kruger goal. Yeah, and it was unfortunate, like you said, you know, the the post as many people were talking about was Chicago's friend because. Uh, you know, we rang it off that at least five or six times in the game. I think th- uh, three in the overtime. Uh, one of them, the puck went so high that it landed next to us in section uh, 415, which, you know, that, that rarely happens. Uh, that was on one of Getzloff's shots that hit like the corner of the crossbar in the post uh, back in the beginning of the game. But um, it was frustrating to see, you know, the Ducks had so many chances and, uh, you just had that feeling that we kept trying to score and score and get it in there. And then, um, they came up short and, uh, you know, just, uh, they got a quick uh, counterpunch opportunity and towards the end of that third overtime and Chicago scored. And you see that sometimes Eddie, you get a bunch of chances, you, you don't cash in. And then it's just, uh, one play does you in like that. Yeah. And you know, you got to look back to the first period to, to, you know, to find out how this game really went wrong. And, 
you know, another slow start from the Ducks and getting into some penalty trouble early, which killed them in this game, getting those two power play goals from Shaw and Hosa. And, you know, they, they were able to dig themselves out of the hole and get the game tied with uh, Cogliano getting that goal in the first period and, and then Perry getting it late in the second. But, you know, it's hard to dig yourself out of that hole when, you know, you go down 2 nothing and, and you play such a slow start. But, you know, like they did in game one, they were able to pick it up and they had a really strong second period. Only, you know, unfortunately, only get that one goal. They outshot the, the Blackhawks 19-7, to you know, continuing into the third and threw it overtime, like you said, hitting the post three times. You know, they just couldn't. Crawford was on his game and they just couldn't get it past him. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that's that been the reoccurring theme, uh, Eddie, is that first period. It, it seems like the Ducks have just kind of come out slow. You know, they took some some bad penalties, uh, uh, like you said, and uh, Chicago was able to cash in on those. And, uh, you know, it's just it's, something's going on. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, we're just not coming out strong enough in that first period. And uh, we're playing physical, which we should, but, you know, it, we're, we're almost playing a little bit too physical. And um, any little thing we do, it seems like, you know, we're getting called uh, a penalty for it. I mean, granted, you know, some of the penalties – that occurred, you know, it was just uh, some some bad mistakes by our guys. Yeah, you know, Stoner was one of the guys who was victimized in this game, especially by the fans. And, you know, for a good reason in this game, he took a couple bad penalties. And, you know, uh, you know, everybody's calling for Wiz to get in the game. But, you know, like you said, bad penalties it will, will bury you, especially against this team. You know, their power play hasn't been that great this at this playoffs, but they've got some guys that can hurt you. And, you know, you get Andrew Shaw and, and Marion Hosa getting those power play goals. And, you know, it, it's hard to keep them off the board forever. Yeah, and I mean, and the Ducks have done a great job. You know, we've talked about that, uh, you know, in game one, uh, you know, Kessler shutting down uh, the Taves line. And, uh, you know, Kane, uh, he's had some chances, you know, um, that first game, you know, he had a really great chance on the Getzloff turnover and uh, Freddie came up big. So they've been slowing him down, which has been the key. I think the biggest thing is, is we just got to stay out of the penalty box not give uh, the Blackhawks those chances, Eddie. Like you said, uh, their power play hasn't been you know, great in the playoffs, but they've got too many weapons on the offensive side of the puck to uh, you know, shut them down on the uh, penalty kill forever. Yeah, and you know, we saw a play that, in, in, in all honesty, I've never seen in hockey in my life. And in, in, in overtime, you saw Shaw um, actually headed in soccer style into the net, and obviously the goal was waved off, but... You know, what did you think of that play? I, I, you know, it's similar to kicking it in and gloving it in, so I think they got the, the, the call right. I've just never seen anything like that in my life. Yeah, I, I mean, that was a crazy play, and I, I remember at the arena uh, when it happened, you know, a handful of people started to get up and leave, and uh, I was like, hey, you don't, don't leave. That's not a goal. Um, I originally thought it was high-sticked because it was on the other side of the rink where I was at, um, you know, from just the quick angle I saw it, but I, I could tell something weird, weird had happened because you had seen the puck go up in the air and all of a sudden the angle shot downward. So I wasn't sure if it was a stick or a glove at first, but then obviously you saw him, you know, head butted in and, uh, under the NHL rules, uh, you can't do that. Um, you can, you know, you can score a goal if the puck goes off your skate or glove or even your helmet you know, unintentionally, but you cannot directly uh, guide the puck into the net like that. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of funny photos and a lot of funny things coming out about it. I, I was I was just more uh, cracking up about when the uh, entire Chicago team came out on the ice and celebrated. And I, I was just like, that's not going to work. You know, this isn't uh, this isn't uh, a good goal. But it was just funny to see them celebrate and have to go back to the pinch, Eddie. And then, you know, we had to play on. Yeah, and you know, it was a, it was a really a game that you could see everything, and you know, when you get two games in one, you know, you're pretty much gonna see everything you could get. And you know, Perry was up to his shenanigans again, uh, holding Hosta's stick and taking it from him and dropping it right in front of him. And you know, that that vine or the gif pretty much went viral on Twitter all night. Oh yeah, there was all kinds of stuff going on, and I mean, you know, this when you when you watch these games and. Uh, you know, when you go into the first overtime, it's one thing. But when you start going into the second and third overtime, these guys are getting worn out. And, you know, you can tell. I mean, that's kind of what happened even on the game when you go for Chicago. You know, uh, the Ducks didn't really get back on their checking on that one. And that kind of gave them the rebound opportunity to score. And that's kind of what happens. Uh, you get that late into a game. Uh, people just, you know, start doing everything. And, uh, you know, even like the gifts you talked about, there's that one out there with the rule book they talk about. 
you know, how big the rule book is in regulation and how big it is in overtime and then how big it is in the playoffs. And it's, and it's a book and the book is shrinking every time. And that's what happens in the overtime, you know, pretty much anything goes. I mean, unless you're really boarded hard or you're bleeding or something like that, um, it just keeps on going. And, and most of the time, the way the team wins is uh, just crashing the net and throwing the puck. And, and, and just like what Chicago did in this game, Eddie, you know, they, they threw the puck at the net from a bad angle and, you know, got the rebound, knocked it in, and, and that's usually how overtime games are uh, won and lost. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about how much these uh, four defensemen are playing, you know, minute-wise on, on the Blackhawks, and, you know, you look at how many hits the Ducks have piled up in these first two games. You know, it was over 100 hits, and, you know, say it's 71 alone in, in game two, and, you know, you, you got to think, you know, I saw an article before the playoffs started. Uh, I before, No, I, I, Craig Button had said that the Ducks are going to wear down the Blackhawks and they're going to win in you know you know six or seven games and you know we're seeing it right now that the you know when you're only going to play four defensemen and the, and the Ducks are going to be physical like that and you know four check on every play and and finishing their checks whenever they can you know the, this is going to wear them down and you know we're going to see that in games four or five you know if it goes even farther than that yeah I agree I, that's the one thing I, I don't think that strategy is going to pay off um, on the defensive side trying to play those four guys so much um, you know, it's, it's kind of a tough go, uh, to do that, especially after, you know, that marathon game too. I mean, they've got four other guys that are very, you know, good, obviously on the blue line, but you know, they had Runblad, you know, not do so well in that first game. They had uh, Comiskey come in and he, and you know, he's been okay. You know, he's not played terrible. He's played all right. But, uh, you, you can see outside of those four, uh, Quinville doesn't really have a lot of faith in, in any other defensive Minetti. Yeah, you know, he's, uh, we saw for, you know, we'll talk about a little bit after, but uh, Trevor Van Dreamsdyke was recalled, um, I believe, today and after game three. And, you know, I, he might go in, even though Quinville said that, that they're probably not going to play him in game four. But, you know, they've, they've seemed to, he seems to not like the guys he keeps putting in there, Runblad, you know, taking out after game uh, game one. And, you know, if, if uh, with Van Riemsdyk being called up, you know, Kamiski might be able to be the guy who drops, or you might see Timonen drop out as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they're going to do after Game 3 because, you know, Game 3 uh, kind of st- started out like Game 2. You know, um, the Blackhawks had so many uh, power plays uh, early in this one. Um, the Ducks came out of it, you know, unscathed, really. I mean, you know, it was 1-1. They got the first goal by Patrick Maroon um, with only about a minute left, uh, at, you know, because there was a there was a penalty on the Ducks and then a penalty on Chicago, and the Ducks had about a minute 16 of a power play, which was their only power play of the game, which we'll talk about the disparity in the calls a little bit later. But um, coming out of that first period with all those penalties, not – you know, they didn't play, the Ducks didn't play terrible in this period, but again, they took a lot of penalties, Eddie, and, uh, you know, luckily, uh, you know, Simone Dupre with his uh, first playoff goal, the game-winning goal, uh, with just oh, uh, just less than a minute in the second period came through, and then, you know, the Ducks uh, basically held the fort down in the third period with Chicago really storming uh, the castle, so to speak, in the last five minutes of the game. Yeah, and, you know, I think, you know, like you said, the, I don't think they started as slow in the first period as they did in games one and two. And, you know, they did a really good job blocking the shots. I think they just got behind in the penalties they took. And, you know, I'm not going to blame the rest for it because Corey Perry's call, that was in the first penalty, that was tripping. And, you know, they killed it off, which was good. And then uh, Kessler's holding against Jonathan Taze, even though it was a weak call, you know, a minute or so later, they called Hosa for holding against Getzlaff, and it was pretty weak as well. Um you know, but then you get into this uh, this four minute you know double minor where uh, Silverberg high sticks Taves and he's apparently bleeding. But they you know they wait 15, 20 seconds after to go over and check if he's bleeding. And he's got plenty of time to to bite his lip or cut his lip. And you know there wasn't much blood. Um, and there's but then you know in the end they called a double minor. But you know what a huge kill by the Ducks to get that you know kill that power play, uh, that penalty kill off. Oh, sorry, kill that power play off and you know get on with the game. Yeah, it was. It was huge, Eddie, that they killed off, you know, all those uh, penalties in the first period. I, I think it was unfortunate, though, because that that playing uh, down four minutes, uh, it kind of wore out the Ducks a little bit, you know, and then Kane ends up getting that goal uh, late in the first period. You know, the uh, basically no look, uh, you know, backhand past Eddie um, that he scored. And I, and I think it was kind of unfortunate because, you know, on that play, you had two or three ducks around the puck that that easily could have grabbed that puck and gone the other way for a two on one or a three on two, and 
it, it was just kind of weird. It just was like a hot potato went between all of them to Kane and he scored. Um, you know, and it's 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 difficult when you're trying to kill off that four minute penalty at the end of a period like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could see the effect on them. Uh, I believe it was Silverberg. Uh, he almost ran into one of the other players, and you know, that's left Kane right open in the slot. And you know, uh, you know, other than Crosby, who who's who else would you want to have in the slot with a backhander? So he, you know, he gets the shot and you know beats Freddie upstairs. And you know, it's hard when you when you get a call like that, and you know, you expect it to to be you know, just a two, and, you know, they obviously it's great they kill it off, um, but, you know, right after, everybody's tired, and, you know, Kane takes advantage. Yeah, exactly, and, and I think you're right. You know, there were a lot of fans upset about that penalty, too, for a lot, uh, you know, good reason. Uh, it looked like Silverberg obviously got a stick up there, went up the, the, uh, the side of the helmet and the face shield there, and it hit uh, Tabes in the ear, but uh, I, I don't really see any blood on there, and there were all kinds of uh, funny tweets and photos about ketchup and Chicago pizza sauce and all kinds of hilarious things that I, I saw uh, on my Twitter timeline when, when that play had uh, developed and, you know, they had decided it, it was four instead of two. So, you know, a little bit of uh, comedy, uh, you know, on social media, but um, I'm just glad that they uh, they didn't pay for that. And, you know, they came out in the second period. They played, you know, now they're playing better in the second period. Like we talked about, Eddie, you know, the Ducks outshot them 14 to 11 in this period. Uh, Simone Dupre with that nice uh, shot. You know, Crawford was uh, had some players in front of him, a little distracted, uh, didn't quite get over in time, and uh, you know provided the game winner there by uh, Dupre. Yeah, I mean, you know, and then they go into the third period, and you know they just look so comfortable in the third period. You know they feel at home. They're able to just hold out and close out the lead. You know they played a you know a little too defensive. I think they were you know just holding on for the to for the lead but you know they've done a great job in these playoffs uh, outscoring opponents 18 to 3 in in the third period and you know just being able to close out these one goal games you saw it all season we talked about you know that has to translate into the playoffs if they're going to win and you know we've seen it so far and uh, you know another great third period defensively by the ducks and they're able to close it out and take a 2-1 series lead yeah, and that third period, like you said, I, I thought they played a little bit too defensive, especially in the last five minutes. Um, you know, they took multiple icing, uh, you know, uh, calls there towards the end. Uh, you know, Getzloff almost uh, had the empty netter, though, so I can't fault him. You know, he chucked it down the ice and just shot it wide to the right. But, uh, you know, Freddie came up big with some big saves, and uh, even in the final seconds there, uh, if you watch, uh, Kane was able to get the puck, you know, again in the slot, Eddie. And uh, Simone Dupre, you know, he came up with a big defensive play there. He gets his stick uh, right on uh, Kane's stick, and Kane's able to get the shot off. But if you go back and look at the replay, he's not able to get that follow-through, and he ends up only hitting the outside of the uh, the post in the net there, not able to get a clean shot, Eddie. Yeah, and, you know, one of the knocks on the Ducks uh, going to the playoffs was, you know, the how young their decor is and if they'd be able to deal with the pressure. And, you know, obviously Dupre getting the goal and making that play on Kane. And then and then how great has Lindholm been in these playoffs? You know, he was marking Taves um, when Taves came out in front of the net, and he just wouldn't quit. He, he was off balance. You know, putting a stick in the way, Taves can get a shot off, and then he ends up uh, taking the puck away from him and clearing it out. You know, the the young guys have stepped up uh, massive with these playoffs, and you know they're playing like veterans, and you know we're able to play six guys, which is a huge advantage. Yeah, and you talk about the six guys. I mean, you know, we still have Wisniewski on the bench. You know, uh, that was a big question that people were hitting me up about after game two. You know, because of the marathon, you know, six hour game. They wondered if uh, somebody else would come in. And, you know, I, I was kind of curious to see. I mean, we know we saw this over in Tampa Bay where they played seven defensive men. So I didn't know if that would be an option for Boudreaux. I mean, that's not really his style. But uh, they didn't play Wisniewski. Uh, Fletchman stayed out as well. I, I was kind of surprised. I thought maybe one of them would draw in just because of the, the long contest in game two, Eddie. But uh, Boudreaux stuck with the same lineup. And, hey, you know, you're you're nine and two in the playoffs. So, you just can't really uh, uh, fault that. Or actually, I'm sorry, now we're 10-2 in the playoffs, so you just can't really fault that. Yeah, and, you know, especially after some of the mistakes and bad penalties that Stoner made in Game 2, you know, we wouldn't have been surprised to see Wisniewski drop in. I think the only reason you don't is I think uh, Brujo's happy with all the the, the, uh, the pairings. You know, the problem with drawing Wisniewski in over Stoner is then you got to swap around most of the pairings because uh, Stoner's left-handed, he's playing with Votnin, who's a right-hander. 
if you bring in Wisniewski, who's a right-hander, you know, do you really want two righties playing on the same line? Then you might have to move to Prey off Fowler's line, who, who you know they've clicked really well. But you, you don't want to move Boschman and Lindholm around because they've played well. You know, I think it's just, I think that's you know the main reason he's kept on there. You know, and and to, to Stoner's credit too, he's played pretty well. He's had some mistakes, uh, but it's nothing like the, the regular season where you know we were wondering how he wasn't in there over over Wisniewski and. You know, you, I think that just has to be the main reason why. You know, you don't if you bring Wisniewski in, you gotta move around everybody in, in, in different pairings. You, know, you keep Stoner in there, you can uh, get that Lindholm, Boschman, Fowler, Dupre lines. You can keep them together, and you know, Stoner's played well enough to, to stay in so far. Yeah, I think you're right on that, Eddie. That is that is a key too. Is if you do bring in Wisniewski, and then you have to change all the pairings. You know, you don't want to do that. You know, being ten and two now. Um, you know, and another thing we haven't mentioned too is even with the two losses that the Ducks have had, uh, the Ducks have not lost in regulation in 12 games in the playoffs. I mean, that's remarkable. So, um, for the way that they've been playing, I, I don't see them messing around with the lineup too much. I think uh, bringing in Setcatch and having Jackman out was uh, definitely the right move because of the speed of the Hawks. Um, and you know, other than that, I, I don't really see any, you know, too much changing, uh, in the next, you know, hopefully only two games, but you know, you never know. It could go six or seven, like we talked about, uh, in the series preview. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure Boudreaux's happy with the lineup that he's got going and we've seen pretty much the same lineup throughout all, all the playoffs, other than like you said, Sekaj coming in and Fleischman coming in, uh, in the in the first uh, in the Calgary series and you know coming in occasionally but you know we've seen pretty much the same top nine go in other than you know a couple guys swapping out and you know hopefully we'd like to see it only go two more games you know um, I would have been surprised at the beginning of the of the series if this ends up finishing in in, in five but with the way the, the way the Ducks are you know breaking down and, and playing such a physical game they're just kind of wearing out the Blackhawks I I wouldn't be too surprised right now if you steal this win. Um, in in Chicago on the next game, you know, finishing the series in Anaheim is an, is another question. Yeah, I mean, it, you look at even game two, and I mean, the Ducks could be up three zero in this series, you know, and and it, I just uh, have to be impressed with the way the the team as a whole has played, um, the coaches and everything, the way everything's gone down. Um, you know, even game three uh, had some pregame drama. Um, you know, a lot of people heard about Mike Milbury's comments about Corey Perry and those comments, um, came out, uh, it was the night before the game, but it really got out on the internet that morning, um, Eddie. And a lot of people, you know, were upset about what he said. Um, talk, he was asked about how to defend Corey Perry and he, uh, had mentioned that he would have to injure him and he used the word permanent. So a lot of people got upset about that, but, uh, the way Boudreaux and Getzloff and Perry all handle it and the rest of the team and the organization, I, I was really happy to see that they, they didn't try to blow this up or, you know, cr- create a big, you know, firestorm, you know, against uh, Milbury about this. They just said, hey, you know, he made those comments um, that, you know, it probably was a mistake. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear an apology if if not before we release this, you know, podcast out. But uh, I like the way that the Ducks handled it. And, you know, it was before the game and they went on the road into, you know, the United Center and, you know, they took the Hawks out. And, uh, you know, we don't care if nobody likes us, you know, so we just keep doing what we got to do and um, we'll be fine. Yeah, you know, I think he was trying to say jokingly, but, you know, you never ha- you never say that about a player. You never, you know, wish harm and especially a permanent injury on on any player, you know, especially one of the better players on the team. And, you know, I, um, I'm sure he'll come out and apologize for it. And, but the Ducks handled it really well. You know, it wasn't something I really thought would bug them, but it's not, it's never anything you like to hear before the game. And, you know, we, uh, we obviously have talked about how the media is against the Ducks and I'm not to say, come on, say that Mike Brillberry hates the Ducks. But like you said, if, you know, if they don't like us, we don't care. And, you know, we've pretty much dealt with that all season and, you know, we'll continue to deal with it through the playoffs and, we keep winning well i don't think it's really gonna bother us yeah and and you know the other thing i you know i try to as many you know people have mentioned is look at the positive in a lot of things and if you look at you know the way things have gone with uh, the media and i'm talking more of the national media when i do say this because you know we do have a lot of friends at fox sports uh, west and san diego and the local networks that you know are obviously very pro for the ducks or the kings whoever's winning or whatnot but um 
you know, as far as the national media, you know, some of them are, are kind of slanted against the Ducks. But I think the biggest thing for the Ducks is we just take that, Eddie, and, and instead of getting, uh, you know, pissed off or irritated, I mean, we take that and we ball it into a little bit of, you know, motivation, and then we just take it out on the ice, and that's what the guys do, and they use that to fuel the fire to play well. And, uh, I mean, it's it's almost been, you know, a positive for the Ducks because they just use it as, you know, motivation to just go out there and prove everybody wrong. Yeah, and we've probably got two, the two players in the league who like to be booed more than anybody in, in Perry and Kessler, and, you know, they thrive on it, and, you know, they thrive on, on being the underdogs and, and, you know, being hated, and, you know, it's it's great to have those guys in, in, on the team when, you know, when you're facing the adversity like this in the media, and, you know, they've, they've, the Ducks have come out, and like you said, gone 10-0-2, which is is remarkable. I don't think anybody thought they would, would uh, come off the, this strong so far, and, you know, like I said, if if they're continuing to have success, I, I don't think anybody's going to care what the media thinks of us. Yeah, and that's been the key, uh, and that, and they've talked about that too. Uh, you know, the post game interviews and uh, game three, uh, they talked to Getzloff, and that was a big thing he said. Is you know what, we're cool and we're calm, and each each game we we stick to the game plan, we do what we got to do, and uh, there's no panic. And after the game's done, we just get right back on it they they i mean this team has laser focus uh i've never seen this ducks team this focused other than back in 2006 2007 and we all know what happened that year so there's good things on the horizon for this team um they have the right mentality we have the right pieces to the puzzle and as long as we keep doing what we're doing stick to the game plan get in on the four check um, you know, the only the only real chinks in the armor I've seen, Eddie, has been, you know, taking some some extra penalties and, uh, you know, a few turnovers here and there, uh, you know, especially in the first game. Not so bad in the recent ones, but that's really only been the issues I've seen, Eddie. Otherwise, this team, you know, it's looking really good. Yeah. And, you know, they, the, the giveaways, like you said, is you know, they, they've made a fair amount of giveaways, but they haven't really. Um, you know the Blackhawks haven't really capitalized on many of them. You know, obviously the Boschman won in Game One, where Brad Richards was able to capitalize on on that chance. But you know, there's been some really bad giveaways um, in the first three games. Uh, you know that you would see, you would expect them to score on it, or and Freddie's either made a, a play and made a great save, or you know Lindholm to pray. You know anybody, somebody on defense, or even Perry has has made a really good play defensively to get the puck out and. You know, those are the things you got to do when when you give it away. You can't just give up. You got to fight and get the puck back. And you know, they've they've shown that they can do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, not giving up those uh, those chances uh, and and then just giving up on them, like you said. You know, that is definitely a key um, in order to stop them from you know making a, a turnover end up you know being a goal against the Ducks, and that's been a key. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see the Ducks get some more power plays. Uh, you know, that's another thing a lot of fans have been upset about, too, Eddie, is um, in this series, the Blackhawks have had 13 power plays and the Ducks have had seven. Um, it's been kind of frustrating, uh, you know, especially in that third third game when uh, Shaw took the, uh, the stick to the face, uh, which he really didn't. Um, you can even go back and uh, check on uh, Refuse Sucks timeline. He has a nice video, a forward and backward video of that. Uh, of them getting a penalty and and that's kind of frustrating Eddie but I'm I'm glad the Ducks have been able to overcome it you know at least through the first three games yeah I know you're gonna get that and and you know Shaw's that type of player I'm not gonna say he's a diver or whatever but he's you know the gritty kind of plays a grinder he's gonna do what it, what's necessary to win the game and you know like heading it into the net and hoping it counts or you know taking a dive and on, on a high staking penalty you're gonna see that and you're gonna see that from both ends we have those type of players on our team too Perry's a, a pesky player too uh, you know, he's obviously more offensively inclined than, than Shaw is, but, you know, you're going to see that, and, you know, hopefully the refs will, will look back at that and, and be a little bit more vigilant for, for dives, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see, and, and you know, the, the good thing is the Ducks have been able to capitalize on, on their power play chances, and, and their penalty kill has been, you know, barring game two, has been, has been you know, excellent so far. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've been down that four minutes. Uh, you know, we had a five on three. We had a kill earlier too in the in the uh, games before, and uh, the special teams. You know, other than like you said, the second period of the uh, the uh, second game there, uh, they've been playing pretty well. I mean, even last night we only had you know a, a minute and change of a power play, and we end up scoring on the one opportunity we got. So uh, it's been good and. Uh, 
the Ducks have been rolling. They've been playing well. They've been getting in front of Crawford. They've been irritating him. They've been getting him, you know, screened. And uh, he even came out in the paper today and uh, was saying he was getting bumped a lot. And uh, just kind of interesting to see his comments, you know, because, um, you know, Freddie's been bumped a lot too. So, uh, you know, I don't know what your take is on, on that, Eddie, but uh, this is playoff hockey. And uh, I, I think the Ducks have been doing what they need to do. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's weird to see that because – you know, if you if you want to pick a goalie who's going to battle and and be physical in, in front of the net, Crawford's one of the top guys in the league to you know be pesky in his own right and you know take a couple shots at players and you know obviously we saw the the hip check yeah he laid out on Raquel, you know it it means they're getting in his head and they're getting to him it you know it's good to see it you know they're they're doing nothing wrong if they're not interfering with him in the blue paint there's nothing wrong and you know he's going to have to deal with that and if he's coming out to the media you know I, I guess complaining about it you know they're getting in his head and. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see it more and hopefully in games four and five. Yeah. And I think that's been the key for the ducks. If you, if you go back and you look at a lot of the goals and a lot of the, uh, high scoring opportunities, you have to give a lot of credit to, uh, Patrick Maroon and Corey Perry. If you watch them, they get front and in front of Crawford block out his vision, but they always stay outside of the blue paint. They know where to go. Uh, not to, you know, to draw any penalties. And I think, you know, that's been huge, Eddie. The Ducks have been very effective at, at just getting in front of Crawford and just making his life a little bit difficult and trying to see the puck. Oh, yeah, and, you, you know, that when you got big guys and, and physical guys and, and, you know, guys with such great hands, too, especially Perry, but, you know, more surprisingly, Patrick Maroon, too. And, you know, this, this, that's their job. They know their role, and they, and they play it perfectly. You know, they they stay out of the blue paint. Uh, they don't make they don't initiate contact with Crawford and you know they get their stick on the puck we saw that with Maroon's goal and you know Perry had a tip in the game before that you know they're just getting in front of the net they're making life difficult for him and it's paying off yeah and if the Ducks keep doing what they're doing I, I mean we should be able to take down the Blackhawks I, I I think that's been the key is is getting in front of the net playing physical you know staying out of the box and then just uh, eliminating those turnovers um, you know, some of the individual players that have really impressed uh, us so far, uh, you got to go with the captain for sure, Eddie. Uh, you know, Getzloff now with 14 assists goes back and ties his personal record from uh, the 2009 playoffs. I mean, that that's just uh, miraculous. And, you know, Corey Perry, who, you know, ha- hadn't gone on fire as much in the playoffs, and now he's also got 16 points, and he's got eight goals and eight assists, Eddie. Uh you know, the dynamic duel has really caused uh, a lot of uh, problems for the Hawks, and they've even came out and said that and how difficult it's been to def- defend the top line. Yeah, and, you know, they were dominant in, in the Winnipeg and Calgary series, and, you know, they put up a couple, you know, four-point games. You know, we obviously haven't seen that in this series, but, you know, they've the other lines, uh, the Thompson line, like we said, and, and even, um, you know, Gatsoff and Perry getting on the board and, and Bolesky and, and Silverberg and Kessler's line getting on it, and, and then Raquel... And so Edom and Sekaj providing energy. You know, everybody's been on their game, and it's been more of a, a complete series with all four lines contributing than we've seen in the first two, where it was the offense pretty much contributed by the first two lines and, you know, Palmieri and Thompson. And, you know, those those two lines below it were kind of just playing good defensive hockey. Now everybody's clicking and playing, you know, in both zones. And, you know, you know we're led by the Twins, and, and you know, they're only two points behind uh, the, the leader, Tyler Johnson, in points. So... You know, it's a great playoffs for them so far. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I mean, all the lines have been playing well. I think the the way the lineup's been going now has been great. I, I don't see, you know, foresee any changes in the future. Um, it looks good. Uh, I'm really excited. I, you know, I hope that uh, we take it to them on Saturday, and then, you know, obviously I'll be there for uh, Game Five on uh, Memorial Day, and uh, hopefully we close it out. That would be. Uh, That'd be a really crazy night. I mean, the crowd, uh, the Ducks fans have been amazing. These playoffs, they've been very loud. Uh, they were at the watch party for uh, Game Three, um, and I was told a lot of people showed up for that as well. Uh, I had summer school, so I couldn't go to that, but I, I want to get to one of these uh, hopefully soon. But uh, it's been an overall uh, good performance by the team. Um, uh, same with the fan support. Um, there was even an article, you know, Eddie, that came out um, uh, in the Chicago Tribune. I had a reporter contact uh, myself. Um, they also talked to Phil Hewitt and a couple other fans about the uh, comparison between the two fans. And, you know, I thought it was really interesting that they had talked about uh, Chicago has more fans, obviously, than the Ducks, uh, just probably based upon the location where they're at and 
uh, whatnot. But I thought it was interesting they had on the article um, when uh, the team's not doing as well, you know, how, how do teams fare? And uh, they actually said that the, the Hawks fared as one of the worst teams as far as attendance when the team's not doing well, where with the Ducks, uh, they were more in the middle of the pack. So that at least shows you, you know, the dedication of the fans that, you know, even when the team's not uh, winning or doing their best, that, uh, you know, we got a good core group of fans out here now. And, um, I, I mean, we've had it for several years, but I mean, it's been really good. You know, the season ticket holder numbers are, are way up. We talked about that earlier this season and, uh, I'm, I'm just really happy. I'm, I'm glad to see the support out here. And obviously we we're trying to do our best to, you know, um, pump up, uh, the sport of hockey and obviously the team, uh, that we love the Anaheim ducks. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you don't want to come out and say that all of the fans for the Blackhawks are, are bandwagons, and you know that's not true. They have some core fans as well, and you know a lot of the people who go to the game are, are going to support them no matter if they win or they lose. But you know, with success, there there comes fans who are only going to be there when you win, and when you lose, they'll you know they'll go find another team or or they'll just stop supporting the sport in general. And you know, you're going to find that you see that with the Kings, the Blackhawks, the Penguins, you know, any the Red Wings, any team that's had success in recent years has had these fans and they've moved on. And you know, it, it always happens. And you know, there's there's obviously a huge contingent of, of Blackhawks fans, even if they weren't you know playing as well as they were, um, that would still be fans. And you know, then you look at the Ducks on the other hand. You know, they've they've we've got like you said a good core of, of fans down in in Anaheim and. You know, a lot of dedicated fans, you know, across the world we've seen so far this year on, on some of the fans that have come out and reached out to us, you know, from Finland and, you know, other in the UK, uh, in Canada, obviously, like me, and, and, and obviously other states throughout the U.S. It's just uh, it's great to see, you know, Dutch fans, you know, spreading out across just not just the U.S., but across the world as well. Yeah, and if you've seen it on the timeline, too, uh, on Twitter that we have, you know, we've had people from Australia hit us up, Scotland. Um, there's a, another gentleman that's been on there from Japan that's hit us up. We have people from Brazil, Spain. Um, you know, the Ducks have a lot of fans all over the world, which is, is good to see. So we're going to just keep on going forward, and, I, I, you know, I hope we bring it home this year. I mean, it's, it's going to help out some more, and we talked about this too. We think the team's going to be very good for, you know, years to come with the way the lineup is, and uh, we just got to keep it going, Eddie. I, I think that uh, the team's doing well, and uh, um, there's nothing really going to stop us right now other than ourselves, you know. Um, I think we just keep doing it, and we'll be good. Yeah, you know, I like you said, just keep with the play that they've had going so far, and you know, hopefully finish in five games and get back to the Stanley Cup Finals. But, you know, some other news around the NHL, too. There's a, it's you know, not just Ducks and Blackhawks. We've got a, a couple coaching changes. Uh, the Flyers signed a new coach. Um, the uh, the Edmonton Oilers signed Todd McClellan, uh, you know, former San Jose Sharks coach. And, um, you know, the big one was the, the Toronto Maple Leafs signed Mike Babcock, who decided to, to leave the Detroit Red Wings. And, you know that's a, an interesting one, not just because of the name, but because of the contract and the money that the the Maple Leafs decided to shore out. It you know it might be entering new territory for uh, coaching contracts now with him making you know around eight million dollars per year. And you know you look at McClellan who just signed in Edmonton, he's only making three. So you know, that raises the question: is you know when, when what is Boudreaux worth? What is Joe Quinville worth? What are some of these other top coaches worth in the league? Yeah, I mean, you raise a, a good point, Eddie. Uh, it's interesting to see because, like you said, you know, the the disparity in the contracts there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, in Edmonton. I think McClellan's going to help him out. You know, obviously um, with San Jose, you know, they've won you know several Pacific Division titles. Obviously, they they never won the Stanley Cup. Uh, we have a T-shirt that you know symbolizes that. But, um, you know, they may uh, turn things around in Edmonton. And, you know, uh, Babcock obviously was with Anaheim back in the day. And uh, I think he's going to help Toronto as well. And I think both organizations, you know, they're they're serious about trying to turn things around, Eddie. And I think, uh, you know, both teams may not turn it around next season right away. But uh, you never know. Um, I, I think they're both going to bring uh, some solid leadership to those organizations. Yeah. And, you know, it's just we, we've seen this with – increased salary for players obviously the big uh getzlaff and, and and perry getting their big contracts and taves and kane uh getting massive contracts that is kind of changing the way that players get paid and you know like i mentioned before with babcock getting an eight-year deal this uh with a eight million dollar per year deal 
that's going to change the way coaches get played now too, which is going to be really significant because, you know, with the next highest coach getting paid around $3 million and, and, you know, that's a $5 million difference. And some of these coaches are now looking at their contracts saying, Hey, Hey, wait a minute. You know, I'm doing just as much as this guy's doing. How come I'm not getting paid as much? Yeah, I totally agree, Eddie. And you know what? That's a situation that we may have on our hands too. I mean, if, uh, Boudreau goes on and uh, leads the team all the way this year and, and we keep rolling the way we are, you know, he, he might want a bigger one too uh, as a result of these other contracts, Eddie. Yeah, and, you know, it, it doesn't count against the cap, which is a good thing, but, you know, with a team like Toronto and being one of the most successful teams in the league and having you know, probably the most money in the league too, being the most valued team, it's, you know, they've got the money to spend on coaches like this. And, you know, I hope it doesn't go down to, you know, I hope – I'm sure Boudreaux would stay if it's success, and I, I believe with most coaches, success becomes above everything. But you know, eventually you might see some of the, the top coaches in the league going where they're going to get paid more money. Yeah, that could be a trend too. Like you said, uh, you may see some more changes, a lot more changes. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there'll be a, a, a influx of uh, coaches being moved, and then uh, deals being worked out, and then. Uh, you know, you may see coaches settle down and be on a team for several years, uh, you know, depending on how well they do. So it's definitely been something that we're going to have to keep our eye on and, you know, in the coming future and see how it goes. Yep. And, you know, obviously with game four for Anaheim and Chicago coming tomorrow, uh, we got game four between Tampa Bay and New York and the other series. And, you know, I guess a little bit of a surprise for some people, Tampa Bay is, is leading that series two to one. And, in the last two games, they've been able to light up Lundqvist for six goals in, in both games. You know, are you are you surprised by this too? You know, I, I'm not surprised that Tampa Bay has been winning. Uh, I mean, even in game one, they were they battled down to the last you know couple minutes, and uh, a redirection was you know was the reason why New York won game one. So, I'm not surprised that Tampa Bay has been winning this series, Eddie. Um, but uh, for the amount of goals that they've gotten past the King, yeah, I mean, you know, to put that many back, you know, behind them in those two games, I mean, I don't think anybody would have, you know, even Tampa Bay wouldn't have uh, expected that. Yeah, and, it, and you know, it, it's it's kind of scary to think of, you know, coming against a team like that, it, potentially having to play Tampa Bay. I know that's the NHL's worst nightmare, having a California team playing a Florida team. But, you know, if that comes to be, you know, they're, they're, they're probably the they're the team that have the most goals for in the in the regular season. And, you know, they continue that in the playoffs. And they've got that, that you know, triplets line that can really hurt you. And obviously, Steven Stamkos is one of the best players in the league. You know, that's a, a pretty scary lineup they got going there. Yeah, I mean, if if the Ducks were to meet Tampa, I mean, yeah, I think as far as media wise, the NHL and uh, and the commissioner uh, are going to be upset because they're not going to have their Hawks and Rangers, uh, you know, final. But uh, yeah, I mean, to talk about that, I mean, it's a little bit early, obviously. You know, there's still plenty of time left in these series. But uh, if it was the Ducks against the Lightning, um, I think you're going to see a really high tempo north-south kind of a series uh, and a lot of scoring chances. I, I mean, I think that would be, uh, you know, just a really, really fun Stanley Cup final um, with chances on both sides and uh, a lot of speed, a lot of momentum, uh, a lot of counter-punching two-on-ones, three-on-twos. Um, it would definitely be exciting. I mean, you know, if that's, you know, what happens. It's a little early, but, you know, that's the way I would see it, Eddie. Yeah, and, you know, looking back at these last three games before we go, um, you know, if we got to pick one guy who has performed, you know, the best so far in these first two games, I, I think, you know, I'm pretty sure you're going to pick the same guy, but you got to go with Freddie. He's playing like, you know, he's playing like a, with a, a goaltender who can win us the cup. You know, he's, he's still won some games for us. He's kept us in it. You know, uh, he's making a real statement to be the number one. We've got a great goalie in John Gibson waiting in the wings, but you know, he's, he's really making a testament for himself to be here long term. Without a question, Eddie, you have to go with Freddie. The way he's played has been, uh, you know, just amazing. I mean, he's been on it. Uh, we talked about it. He um, he's seeing the puck when he needs to. He's he's getting around the screens, looking for that puck. Um, his side to side movement's great. Um, he knows when to come out from the on the top of the blue paint and challenge. Um, positionally, he's been very very good. Um, I mean, you, there's not really a weak. Uh, that I've seen with him, uh, you know, we, we saw a couple of glove hand uh, goals go by him, you know, in that calculator series that we talked about. But uh, in this series, he's been razor sharp, Eddie. Yeah, and we're going to need that too. Obviously, seeing, 
in in 07 the performance from Jaguar and and even in 03 the performance from our goalies you need your goalie to play well to to take you to the finals and you know with with Freddie playing the way he is you know the uh, it could potentially happen and and you know what a story for him too the way he came into the league yeah exactly um we're just gonna have to I think ride on him and keep uh, like we said doing all the other right things and we'll be good um you know we also have some other updates too on the uh, the website and stuff for you guys uh if you saw we were on uh, roto world this week um you know we've been getting bigger and bigger and bigger so that was one good thing now that we've actually been sort you know cited as a source for something so that was a huge positive this week uh, you know along with and obviously in, in one of the largest papers in chicago as well um so those are some good things that have been going um on the uh Storefront, as far as selling products, you know, we have um, cow, uh, car decals up, uh, foul towels. Uh, we have the beanies in there as well. So we have other products up there for you guys to go check out in addition, just besides the shirts. And, uh, you know, some improvements will be coming um, in, the, uh, in the future. We'll be getting some more things done. Um, we're going to integrate the website and, ha- and have a, a kind of a better platform for you. It may not be till the off season, but there's a lot of other things that we're working on. Uh, I've got some, some friends that have been helping me and, and working on some things and, uh, just make sure you subscribe to the, uh, podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes, so you can go on there and pull us up. And, uh, if you just search ducks and pucks all in one word, we're on there. Um, we're also on YouTube as well. You can search us the same way. And uh, if, if you're interested in buying any of the hockey gear we have, we're at uh, dnphockey.com, uh, which is also the, now the official uh, company name uh, for us as well. And I uh, just really want to thank everybody for the support, you know, for the support of the team and the support of us. And, you know, we'll try to bring you as much information and keep everybody up to date as we always have been. And, uh, you know, let's take down the Hawks. Let's go Ducks.